Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am having the pleasure of doing something completely different. We're not talking today about investments. We're not talking today about taxes. We're not talking today even about debt. Every so often I get emails, actually pretty often, I get emails from different people that say, hey, bring on this guest, they might look interesting. And honestly, the vast majority I turn down. But I thought this particular guest today is something different, might be good for those of us that are surgeons to check out. His company that he is the CEO of has automation software and stuff to bring into this category of implantable medical devices to help hospitals and practices save money. So I am glad to help have him here with us. Please help me welcome Richard Palaria from Kermit. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be with you today. Yes, sir. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Well, Richard, let's just get right to the uh, the meat of, of the show here. I, I gave a little bit of an introduction that you're this company trying to help hospitals and surgeons save money. So give us the rundown. What, what is this that you do? Sure. Well, Kermit is a 10-year-old organization based in Baltimore, Maryland, although we have customers across the nation. Our customers typically are hospitals and health systems that have a critical spend in implantable medical devices. I think some of your audience might even know the vernacular of, of physician preference items or PPI. We help supply chain understand the true cost of these items. Most hospitals across the nation are overpaying for these, mainly because they, they do their best to negotiate prices, but they really don't know what is the best price. Did I leave something on the table? How do I know that? So uh, my two co-founders walked into my office, like I said, about 10 years ago. I was already doing something different. I had a spend management company in logistics, and I would go out and help companies negotiate better pricing in FedEx, UPS, DHL services. And my model was I would take a portion of that savings as my fee. And they wanted to start exactly the same business for hospitals, looking at things like knee replacement, hip replacement, spine surgery, cardiovascular surgery. They had cooked up about 20 different categories in their head that they had either had exposure to or directly sold to the hospitals. And they knew that every time they went through a negotiation as a vendor in this category, that the hospital was leaving 30, 40, sometimes 50% of what the vendor would be willing to give them as a price if they were really pushed, if the screws were really turned on these guys. And so when they came in and told me about this idea they had, I wasn't really in the market to do anything else, but I was fascinated that for 50 years, this category has been managed by having a sales rep for the implant company stand in the operating room with the surgeon, tender devices to the surgeon, there's no price tag on the box, tally those items on a piece of paper, write down the price they want to charge for those items, and get a nurse to sign it in the operating room, 
and then turn around and walk out of that OR, go down a floor or two at a purchasing, and turn that piece of paper in expecting to get a purchase order or basically get paid for that case. One thing I thought of, Dave, as I, I was on my own journey of, of kind of wealth management and wealth creation was I could keep doing what I'm doing and forget I ever had this conversation with these guys because my, my business was a nice lifestyle business, but it wasn't a company. Or I could, I could really do something meaningful to walk in and change something that's been done, like I said, for 50 years in a certain way. And it's rare that you find something that is at the intersection of healthcare and technology that hasn't already been automated. I think we've gone through lots of different processes already. But here we have something still being collected on a piece of paper. And then when I thought about the nature of having a, a salesperson stand in the operating room, I imme- it immediately got personal for me. My mom had just had had one hip done a few months later before I met these guys had her other hip done. And all I could think of was one of you guys was standing in the operating room while she was under anesthesia, had no say in the implant or the price. And the surgeon likely didn't know the cost either. And I went home and thought about it. And a couple of days later, I called him back and said, all right, let, let's give it a shot. I, I think we got a real chance to change things. And now we manage 40% of the implant spend that transacts in the state of Maryland both through managing the price and then having this piece of software that automates that paper-based process, adjudicates it, gets rid of the waste, fraud, and abuse for the hospital, tells them what's okay to pay, and then also surfaces a lot of analytics so they can sit with their surgeons in more of a partner and collaborative way, not, not a confrontational way like I have seen in the past where a CFO might say, we're spending a lot of money, and the surgeon says, you run the hospital, don't tell me how to practice medicine. But now Everybody's coming to the table using one common set of data that's irrefutable. And now they're all right, coming up with an idea about how can we work together? Because we're, these hospitals, you know, post-COVID, they're working on very, very slim margins. Some are losing money and they don't have the personnel any longer. We've had a large-scale migration of people leaving healthcare. So, so I think there are some common things that we can talk about that are, that are common to all your listeners. But the one thing that's really interesting to us is how we solve this problem without impacting the patient quality. Let's get the price as low as we possibly can. Let's find that intersection of a low price and a good patient outcome that everybody can get behind, and that's basically our mission. I think it's it's an interesting business model. I guess what I would encourage everyone to think about that's listening to this podcast, you know, as you think about your compensation, maybe you're working at a hospital, I think if I'm talking completely, I like to say blind here because, you know, I, I don't know much about you know this kind of space as a, as a financial advisor, but I think if you can always find ideas that save your company or the hospital money and they work, you know, I think these are the kind of things that you can use to justify raises or if you're interested in moving up into management of a practice or management of a hospital or what have you. You know, these are the kind of things in the way that you want to think in terms of exploring new ideas, looking at new technologies. So I guess, you know, Rich, um, is there with this software and, and what you do, you know, certainly I could think even something like pharma, you know, would be great 
to apply this kind of technology to, you know, as as a as a patient, you know, as my daughter who has juvenile idiopathic uh, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, we get these medications and there's this whole thing about cost and how much does this cost versus that one and then the trouble of going through it. I have to imagine medical devices are much the same and then supply chain issues that that have been happening in the world today. I'm curious just to speak to that real quick. You know, has has supply chain and the issues in China and those kinds of things affected medical devices at all in this world that we've been in and in increasing prices? You know, give us a layout of the land in terms of that. In less than 30 seconds, Dave, you just created a very complex picture and probably a very accurate one, not knowing, I mean, self-admittedly, you said, you know, not knowing a lot, a lot about this category. You're, you got it. Like, that is the complexity that is wreaking havoc on almost every single industry, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or coming out of it. I, I think we can kind of all agree it doesn't feel like things are ever going to go back to the way they were before. I don't I don't mean like what is the new normal. We hear about that a lot. What I'm talking about is I think we've learned a lot in the past two years. We're working differently. We're meeting differently. We don't have to be physically together to get things done. And yet our our culture, at least in our business and other business owners that I know and talk to, has never suffered more because we're missing the water cooler style conversations where true innovation takes place. So when you think about all those things you just talked about, impacts to supply chain, foreign supply chains, all of that, yeah, it's been it's been uh, a real problem for our healthcare professionals and the folks that we deal with, primarily our supply chain uh, executives that we deal with. Now, because we have a large, it's it's more of a financial offering, the output of what we do is savings. So it's bottom line improvement. And it's pretty dramatic savings. Like we can drive 30% of the cost out of any category of any of one of 21 different implant categories that we deal in and our subject matter. Can you give me like a specific in. example? You know, like how, how, how does that work? An example would be just a regional medical center in your town. Maybe not anything that's part of a large health system or a large brand. But the, the hospital that's been there over many, many years serving the community has grown. They've put on a wing to the hospital. You know, it's a substantial hospital, but it's not part of a large system. It's not out of the question if they're doing knee and hip surgery and doing a fair amount of orthopedic volume and reconstruction in that hospital, that they're spending 40 to 50, maybe $60 million just in that category. So when you talk about bringing 30% back to that CFO who is who's paying maybe, you know, easily over seven figures for an electronic medical record system or an ERP system, or the surgeons are all banging on the door saying, we need another operating room. And when you when you put that OR in, when you're done with the building costs and everything, we like a robot in there too. Because robotic surgery has really taken off. Those are things that a CFO looks at the, the budget and say, I just don't see how it's going to work. We've got 1% uh, on, on the margin on a, on a good day. Um, and so how are we going to do that? So an approach like what we do, we typically will go in and look at these costs and, and do a benchmark style analysis to say, if you hired us, we think we could get you this much, but you don't have to risk that because we're going to get paid only on the savings. So a- any penny we bring to you is going to be largely in your pocket. We get to keep a little portion of that for ourselves, for our work. 
So it's a pretty easy thing to engage around. But the back to your question, the supply chain part of this hasn't been as much of an impact as you would think. There's some overseas manufacturing. Some of it's done onshore and nearshore. A lot of it is inventory items that don't arrive to a hospital until it's time for surgery. We call it trunk stock. It's basically driven to the hospital, sterile processed, and then moved up to the floor. Only a portion of it's used in surgery. The vast majority gets sent back to the manufacturer. So the costs around that are, are the movement, the transportation of those things as fuel costs have gone up. But hospitals have declining margins. Surgeon pay has been relatively flat for a period of time. And the margins for the manufacturers are still very, very healthy. So there's a lot more to go, despite kind of where we are. The one party in all of this is still making a lot of money and has for a long period of time are the implant manufacturers, just because there's not a lot of visibility or transparency in the pricing. Well, and it it takes um, certainly barrier to entry is has been, you know, pretty high. I would wonder, you know, I think a technology is like 3D printing that maybe you get some of those things working, you can manufacture on site versus being dependent on the supply chain, you know, and having a device come from a specific company like a Medtronic or Boston Scientific or whoever. And now for a commercial break. Have you been wondering what I'm so tired of working? What would it take to retire? Maybe you've been thinking about Gosh, I want to have a plan for getting out of medicine, but I'm not sure of the right way to do that. What are the steps that I need to take? Well, that is why I put together this ebook, which is The Roadmap to Retire by 45. It lays out literally step by step what you need to do, how to go through it, how to calculate it. Uh, I think this is a fantastic ebook that will probably take you 15, 20 minutes to read through, but really lays it out step by step. If you want the ebook, just text ROAD to retire. That's R O A D T O R E T I R E to 833 343 2986. Again, text ROAD T O retire road to retire to this number 833-343-2986 it'll be 20 minutes that will really change your life and now back to the show and the, and and even those big brand companies that you're talking about have all innovated and they've ad- adopted Things like 3D printing, there, there are quite a few spine manufacturers now that uh, man, manufacture a lot of their stuff via 3D printing. Some of it is around innovation, around customization. So if you had a specific uh, anatomic need, they could take uh, imaging before the surgery and, and send that, send those films, send those files off to the manufacturer, custom print your, your, your spinal cage for your surgery has your name when it comes in for surgery. But a lot of that innovation is being used on the manufacturing side to push push their costs down so they have more profitability. But then they turn around and tell the hospital, this is innovative. We now want to command a higher price for our brand new 3D printed super whiz bang thing. And you know what? It's, it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. It, it, a lot of supply chain users will say, well, that, that, that seems 
good. I mean, it's a new product and new product has innovation and therefore a lot of R&D costs. So, of course, we can understand paying more for it. And surgeons want to use the latest and greatest thing. So you have this narrative that's being controlled by kind of one side of the of the process to keep this um, opaqueness to the transaction, how it works. But the reality is that those innovations are actually driving down costs for the manufacturers. They're just not passing that on. Interesting. So let's say, so from what I'm understanding, let's say I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I'm going to get my, my patient needs a hip replacement. Uh, I I don't know the hip replacement vendors, but I'm just going to make it up. I'll say uh, Boston Scientific and Medtronic, you know, are are two producers and I don't know, Stryker or something. So these three companies are producing the stuff that we need for the hip replacement. Uh, So how does your software work? Does it is taking prices from nation averages or like how how is that comparing versus, I guess, the bill that they're leaving that you mentioned? You know, like you have to negotiate then, you know, I guess help walk me through this process of you have a few different vendors and and companies that might be competing on a product or maybe you don't even don't have someone competing on a product like but you're still getting a higher bill than what you're supposed to. And, and you're and you're thinking about it the way that I initially thought about it when when these two med device reps walk into my office and told me about this category. I thought about it the same way. You know, you walk into a Best Buy, all the TVs are lined up on the wall. They're all the same size. They all do HD. Uh, they all have whatever it might be. And you're expecting the price to be relatively the same. That's the one thing that is dramatically different when it comes to implants. There are there's a hip implant by Stryker. There's in very many of them too because there's a lot of variation in the line for different purposes. But they all do hips. Stryker, Depew, which is a Johnson and Johnson company, Smith and Nephew, Zimmer Biomet, and the list goes on. There's been a lot of consolidation over the last couple of years. It's hard to have a small startup, innovative knee or hip company that comes to the fore without it being acquired and, and gobbled up by one of the big ones. But they all have a technology. What we're doing is we're saying, what Kermit is saying is, through our benchmarking efforts, we understand that this particular knee from Zimmer Biomet has the same outcome, serves the same purpose, achieves the same function as this one from Stryker and this one from Smith & Nephew. So when we slot them all into a matrix, we can apply one price to that category. And when we go out to bid, we'll say, this particular knee or a construct of, of the four parts that make up any knee replacement ought to be $1,600. So anybody who wants to stay here and compete in the hospital, it's an all-play environment. We don't care. Any vendor can come bid. You have to match this price of $1,600. That's We're bringing more of a, a market competition view like you would find in the Best Buy. Uh, you can't have an outlier on price because what's going to happen? That TV is going to hang on the wall. And all the inventory stock is going to sit in that warehouse. It's never going to move because the average person won't understand why the same set of features, it costs more. You just don't buy that way. But we don't have that in, in, in orthopedic surgery. We don't have it in, in cardiovascular surgery. It's largely the preference of the physician. And if the physician was trained to use a specific set of instruments from Stryker when they went through med school and they went through their residency and they went through their fellowship, that's what they're comfortable with. So they really don't have an idea about what the cost is, nor nor do they really care. It's only until we are where we are today, and you, you talked about some of this a bit ago, of bringing the surgeon in, showing them what the stuff costs, 
letting them have an understanding of why is it important that I get the prices down? Well, if I do, first of all, I'll have an employer who's solvent. That's a good thing. So the checks that they write to me, I can actually cash. But if I save money for them, maybe it doesn't come back to me in my pocket. And there are some some sanctioned gain share programs that the, the government has come up with inside of Medicare that allow for that. But it could come back to them in another operating room that they've been asking for or more administrative clinical assistance or that robot that they want from Stryker to do this type of knee surgery. Whatever the innovation is that they want to ask for that's going to cost more money, they can then come to the CFO and say, I can help you save money. I found a way to do it. And if I can drive savings back, do we get to put a portion of that in a bucket so when that bucket fills, we can do this or that? And the answer should be, Yes, because that's collaboration. That gets everybody on the same page. There's no more adversarial, you know, tug and pull in that relationship. Well, Rich, I think it's in- interesting technology, and you know, I encourage everyone. Uh, I'm no expert in this area at all, but certainly, hey, it's worth worth a look at and see if it might make sense for you and and your practice, your hospital, or whatever. And who knows, you might get a raise or a bonus out of it. Or if you are, of course, the practice owner, hey, it might be something for you to to really highly consider. So, Rich, if people are interested, they want to check you out, they want more information, what's the best way they could understand more about the technology and what y'all do? Okay, Dave, yeah. The the best way to find us, and there's even a, a quick little two-minute explainer video, we'll even make you dangerous, Dave, if you go watch this video, uh, you'll be an expert in your, in your circles. It's uh, Kermit PPI, just like the frog, K-E-R-M-I-T-P-P-I dot com. And when you arrive on the website, that video is there. We also do a lot of writing. We do a lot of thought leadership, kind of demystifying these spend categories for not just for the average person, but certainly for the hospital to understand. We have a blog up there where we put a lot of that too. We also are very active on LinkedIn. So if you just search for Kermit or Kermit PPI, I think anything that pops up that doesn't look like a frog is probably going to be us. Like and follow and subscribe to what we're doing. We post videos up there and we have a lot of other content too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich. Appreciate you being with us. My pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends. Well, this is another episode wrapped up for the Freedom Formula for Physicians. And as always, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant, and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov.
by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we're not appropriately registered or excluded from registration. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mention insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issuer. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.